I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 43, The Beginning of the Interval. Previously, on the Fan of History, Hadad Nirari III fights to keep the Assyrian Empire from falling to pieces, while Urartu grows even stronger to the north in what is today Armenia. Well, Dan, it looks like there were some iTunes comments. Sweet. I have one in Swedish as well, but you go first. I'll go first. This one's actually back on April 27th when we did the other one. But Apple, in its infinite wisdom, only only allowed me to see three comments total on the page, but if I went into iTunes... This one was up here, so sorry for the delay. We have M. Truitt wrote, I love history, but I hate driving. With an hour-long commute, I've been searching for an educational and entertaining podcast. This is it. Dan covers world history in 10-year chunks and has a fun perspective on events. He and Brennan bring historical figures to life, even hypothesizing what their ancient thoughts and motives were. One thing I hope will improve is the audio quality. Me too, buddy. I think it's Brennan's mouse clicking or background that's somewhat distracting. I know. Actually, from the time you wrote this, I have encased my microphone in a protective barrier. So hopefully that will cut it down. This podcast is everything it set out to be. Informative, entertaining, and thought-provoking. Well done. Well, thank you. I shall erect an obelisk on an obscure mountain for you. If you do, please send pics, and we will post them. <laughs> awesome. That's all we want. <laughs> my my life goal will have been met. Well, I have an know. iTunes review here on um, in Swedish, but okay. I'll translate it. It's from Athletic Jogini. 
who gives us five stars right. and says very exciting and inspiring pod about history. I strongly recommend this one. Okay, so now we have something to live up to. I know. I feel pressure. <laughs> yeah, let's. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah. are we are in the seventy seven eighties BC. <clears throat> yes. And Adad Nirari the third is the king of the Neo Assyrian Empire. Assyria is still the strongest state in the Near East, but Urartu is a close second. Adad Nirari is the sixth king of the empire, and internal forces are weakening the empire. But the king is all focused on eternal threats, not sensing the danger from within. Uh-oh. Uh, this will not go well. So the interval is a period of Assyrian decline. Right. So just to give events away. <laughs> and let's stop talking about the Assyrians and mention the Etru Etruscans. Because this is the first period where you can talk about Etruscans in Italy. Oh, wow. And as I mentioned before, we now know that the Etruscans never invaded Italy. They came from Italy. Their DNA was sold in 2013. Uh, they are the next phase of the Villanovan civilization. And you kind of talk of 800 to 750 BC as the pre-Etruscan period. Okay. But they do have contacts with the Greeks in the Bay of Naples. There is a colony of the Greeks in the Bay of Naples already. It was set up by the island of Euboea. Uh, there are contacts between Etruscans and Phoenician traders. There is no writing in uh, Etruria. But they could uh, get influenced by writing them because the Phoenicians have writing already. Right. There is definitely no Etruscan League. When you talk about the Etruscans, you often talk about 600 BC when they have the Etruscan League and they are at the, the height of their power. So this is still very early for them. But it's coming up quick, though. It is. And uh, Rome, then, as I've said before, will enter our narrative being one of the Etruscan cities in the League, pretty much in 616 BC. So no Romulus and Remus on this podcast because that's a fairy tale. <laughs> yes. Romulus and Remus. But the place where thing, things really are happening in the 780s are in Urartu. And these are the final years of Menua, the king of Urartu. And the Assyrians still deny his existence. He's never mentioned by the Assyrians. Uh, but the Urartians are mentioning him, and he himself is mentioning himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he is the master of fortifications. He conquers more territory in every other direction than Assyria. He is building walls against Assyria. And he go even goes to the southeast, sort of going around Assyria to the east. Hmm. He is the first monarch in Western Asia to develop the process of conquest by systematically planning lines of fortresses and defensive posts. This is very much what Hadrian did for the Roman Empire, but it's getting done a thousand years earlier by this guy. Oh, wow. He also built canals that are still in use today. 
And uh, he, of course, named it the Minua Canal. <laughs> but now it's uh, renamed to Samramsu, which means the river of Semiramis. Semiramis. Yeah, because there is this canal that is really old. It must be Semiramis, Semiramis who built it. Did it. <laughs> yeah, the queen of the universe. Yeah, that lady. She did so much. And this canal is 75 kilometers long. How long is that in miles? 50 miles. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. From the Hosap Valley to Lake Van, or the Lake Van area. Uh, the Nairi Sea, Lake Van, this huge lake, has no fresh water. So they needed to get fresh water to the, the old capital of Urartu. Right. There are also huge cisterns and vineyards built at this time. A lot of bronze working. And uh, Minua rules Urartu for 24 years, between 810 and 786 BC. And there is much debate about the exact dates, but it seems to be 24 years. And then he dies. Probably then in 786 BC, leaving the title to his son, Argishti, who becomes the king in this year. And Menua's role is uh, to be the sower, and his son and his grandson will reap. So Argishti, the king of Urartu, is uh, a pretty aggressive fellow who doesn't care much about canals or building fortresses, but he wants to attack people. Well, that and makes we... sense. <laughs> that's yeah, the, that's now, the fun part, right? Yeah, dad built a lot of stuff, let's put it to good use. And we have his annals. Um, there is a lot of records from this period, and we have the longest inscriptions of any Urartian monarch comes from this Argishti. There is some of it that we can't uh, understand today, hmm. and especially the geographic terms, because the Urartians have like place names that match no other place names. So we don't know if they're making stuff up or not, but it's probably not uh, just very hard to understand what they're doing. And they, they sort of discover, they attack and conquer all of these kingdoms that nobody has ever heard of. In uh, 786 to 784 BC, the Urartians go to war to the southeast and north, and their influence is spreading. Do you remember Pygmalion? I do. He was the brother of Dido, the founder of Carthage. Yep. And he chased her away and kept ruling in Phoenicia. He is very much a historical figure. And in 785 BC, he dies. And then we sort of lose track of Phoenicia. Hmm. So we know about him. He is confirmed from several sources, but we don't know who succeeded him. And we don't know very much about Phoenicia at all before 750 BC. And uh, Phoenicia is probably better off in this unknown period than in 750 BC when bad stuff will happen to Phoenicia. <laughs> it's funny how we don't have a lot of written stuff down from Phoenicia. From the inventors of the alphabet. Almost yes. All the writing is lost because they thought paper that's a really good thing to write on right They'll instead last. of stone like those <laughs> primitive assyrians right, that, that's the future right there paper 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, they thought so. The paperful office. That's the Phoenician way. <laughs> but they are still colonizing the Mediterranean uh, in a very trade-focused way. They are supplying the Neo-Syrian Empire with luxury goods. And they are doing well in Phoenicia. So in 785 BC, Adarniroi III has to attack somebody. And he decides to attack Kubushkia. And this is an anti-Urartu act, because Kubushkia is the border area between Assyria and Urartu. And this campaign is probably led by the field marshal, the Tutanu Shamshi Ilu, who we have talked about quite a lot. He is kind of inclined to be there in the north, that's where his birth territory is. And he seems to be acting out of Fort uh, Shalmaneser, the Bit Adini capital that Shalmaneser conquered. So he's the Aramean warlord with an Assyrian army, pretty much, as we have talked about before. In, seven, in the 785 campaign, there is a very cryptic note that says, Anu the Great went to Dur, and Dur is a place in Babylonia. Okay. So that doesn't seem to have anything to do with Kubushkia. So I don't understand it. I don't know who Arno the Great is. Sounds kind of like a god. Yeah, is there, I mean, I'm guessing there's no mention of any king or ruler called Anu. Maybe they took a Kubushkian god and sent him to Babylonia. It's like, oh, here you go, Babylonians. Here, you keep this. Yeah, you have a new god in your town. Congratulations. <laughs> And uh, the next year, in 784 BC, pretty much exactly the same thing happens. So there's a fight in Kibushkia. Anu the Great doesn't go to there because he already did last year. Yeah. But uh, nothing else. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Happens and there are no decisive results. But in 783 BC, uh, a terrible thing happens in Assyria. Oh, no. And this is the true beginning of the interval. Of course, Adadni 
Hiroi the third, he is he dies in the seven H three BC, apparently of old age. He has been ruling the empire for twenty-eight years, since eight eleven BC, when his dad was all over Babylonia. Wow. So Adan Narari died the worst death of an Assyrian king. Yeah, but they never die in combat, remember that. They always die of old age. Oh, that's right. Or they get murdered by usurpers, but they never die <laughs> fighting the enemy. With one great exception will come to by the end of this century. Okay. But Adarniroi III, nobody remembers him. If you ask people about the great Assyrian kings, they don't mention him. But I think he was pretty good because maybe he, he couldn't stop this process of weakening. He couldn't stop the nobles from getting powerful. But he, he did stuff. He was always acting, always doing things. I think he was the guy that comes to the office and just does what he's supposed to do every day. And he works the extra hours. He has no imagination. He won't go out of his way to invent something new, but he puts in the work. Right. And I think that's what he did for 28 years. He was saving the empire. I think the interval could have begun much earlier, but he didn't. So he kind of kept the boat going. He had a lot of sons. I think they all did pretty much. He probably had tens and tens of sons. Okay. But noticeably, he has two sons named, or maybe even four sons. So I'll give you some names. He has a son named Shalmaneser. Shalmaneser, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's the crown prince. Uh, he has a son named Ashurdan. He might have a son named Ashurnirari. These are all, all old king names. And okay. maybe, maybe, maybe had a son named Bool. Hmm. That's not the king name. But thus begins the interval, and it will last, last between 782 BC to 745 BC, when something really special will happen. Okay. But in the life of an empire, we have had a good run here with the Assyrians. This has lasted for 130 years. That's a pretty good empire. Yeah, that's a, that's a dynasty. Yeah, so this is this should have been the end. There should be a period of decline and then the empire should leave the scene. But the events in 745 BC will radically change that. So it's a pretty bad situation for the new kingdom, Shalmaneser IV, the son of Adarniroi III, who takes the throne in 783 BC. And the first thing we note why this is bad is that there are no pictures of this guy. Uh -oh. There are no representations of him. We have no idea what he looked like. We probably know that he had a huge beard and looked exactly <laughs> the same as every other Assyrian king. Right. But he doesn't claim... It. There, there are no pictures of him. There are no great inscriptions of him. It's like, this guy wasn't making an impression. That's unfortunate for him. And then the sources dry up, which is also a bad sign. When the Assyrians are not winning everywhere, they don't tell us anything. Right. They don't write it down if they aren't the winners. So it's like, nothing to see here. Moving on. <laughs> 
It is possible that Shalmaneser IV was completely dominated by powerful nobles, and the most important of those would then be Shamshi Ilu, the field marshal, uh, and that he was maybe just the figurehead king. So maybe he was confined to his palace and like sit here, be cool, we'll we'll rule the provinces. So never confuse him with the ultra-powerful king Shalmaneser I or Shalmaneser III, because this is Shalmaneser IV. Not much to see here. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to sweep that under the rug. And one of the great sources that dry up here is the synchronistic history. This is a pretty interesting document, and we have used it quite a bit. I haven't talked a lot about it, but... It is very likely that it was uh, finalized uh, at the end of the reign of Adarnirari III. Because it's a history about Assyria and Babylonia. And this is extremely useful for dating events, as it talks about the history of both kingdoms. But you can read between the lines in the synchronistic history that it is written by somebody who really liked Assyria. <laughs> very pro-Assyrian. Yes, and there is, there will be, next century, there will be a Library of Alexandria-like thing, the Library of Ashurbanipal. And in this library, which was, uh, which was discovered in modern times, uh, there were three tablets from this synchronistic history. And that has been very useful for reconstructing the Assyrian history. But uh, the last notes in uh, the synchronistic history says that uh, in this period, Babylonia repeatedly violated the boundary agreements in the East Tigris area. The Babylonians were threatened with Assyrian vengeance, but the empire was no longer able to deliver such vengeance. And the days of Shamshadad V were in the past. So Babylonia is sort of slipping being out of Assyrian control. Remember, Babylonia was beat to a pulp right. by Shamshadad V. It's amazing that they still had enough of them, enough of their own identity left after that to pull away. You know what I mean? Yeah, it the seems concept like, of yeah. Babylonia seems to be so strong yeah. that people just try to restore it whenever they get a chance. This, this kingdom is a thousand years old, Babylonia. Right. Uh, so in Babylonia for this decade then, it's a period of chaos and instability. Uh, they are still suffering from the effects of the invasion of Shamshi Adad, which was 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, the Arameans they, in Babylonia, they do what they always do in times of chaos. They return to the wilderness and start plundering stuff. Uh, the Kassites disappear up the Sagros Mountains into their own kingdom. And the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans, they increase their influence and they try to seem like the ones who try to preserve this Babylonian identity. There is a king called Marduk Belseri who claims to have ruled Babylonia between 790 and 780 BC. But we don't know anything about him. We don't have much written records. So Babylonia is in a much worse shape still than Assyria is. And it's almost like Babylonia is back 
in the state it was in in 1000 BC. Hmm. So things don't look good for Babylonia, but That's still, bad they, news. yeah, they're able to resist the weak Assyrian Empire. But in 783, in the, the first year of the new king of Assyria, Shalmaneser IV, uh, we have a record of a, a war. Remember, the Assyrians have to go to war every year. Every year. And in the eponymous year of Inurta Nasir, the governor of Masamua, Shalmaneser IV attacks Itua. And the Itua, they were an Aramean tribe. It's unclear where they lived. They might have been in Babylonia or they might have already been conquered by the Assyrians and revolted this year. And the next year, exactly the same thing will happen. But we don't know how it went or if the Assyrians defeated this Aramean tribe or if it is still running around. <laughs> they just say, yeah, hey, we're going, we're back. <laughs> and you, you kind of get the feeling that the Assyrians sometimes just fill in somebody. Like, there was a knife fight in Itua, so maybe maybe we write that down here. Right. <laughs> one of our dudes got drunk and beat up one of their dudes. We win. But it, <laughs> it's still a sign of somewhat good health for the Empire, because there will come those dreaded years when the king stays at home uh -oh. in this record. And that's, that's the worst thing they can write. Yikes. I would so feel, that's it. I'd feel bad for them if that happened. <laughs> yeah, it will happen very soon. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is a big change from what we're used to hearing about Assyria, and now we have the Etruscans to take up some time. Very cool. And yes, Urartu. But Agishti is a very, very active king, and we'll hear more about him. Excellent. I'm, well, I'm trying to get an interview for him with him for the next episode. We'll see so how that goes. See if you can find Agishti in Uratu. Yeah. Well, we'll see what we can do. I'll work on that. But yeah, we'll have our people call his people. See yeah. what happens. All right, so I guess in the next episode, Agishti of Urartu, of Urartu, I don't even know what I just said then, founds... Ooh, I can't even pronounce these words. Yerevan. Yerevan, the modern capital of Armenia. Oh, yes. There will also be some serious fighting between Assyria and Urartu. And if you ask the Assyrians, the Urartu... Yeah, if you ask the Assyrians, there right? was fighting, but... Oh, but the Urartuans deny it. Yes. <laughs> so no, Assyria goes, no, 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 we, we beat them up, we promise. Urartu's like, uh, no? Who are you guys? <laughs> yeah, what, what were you doing? All right, well, please go to YouTube, like and subscribe, and also share with your friends. And as you heard earlier, give us a review on iTunes and we'll read it. So, don't forget, facebook.com slash fanofhistory, also thefanofhistory.wordpress.com. Patreon slash fan of history. You can follow me at Cerulean says hi. And also Dan at Dan Horning on Twitter. Oh, yes. So for this week, 
I am Brennan. And I'm Dom. And this has been The Fan of History. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.